0: You're listening to the Together Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information on Together Church, you can visit our website at wearetogether.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. You're probably like me in the fact that you don't like to wait. Anybody have a problem waiting? You can't stand lines? Like, wouldn't it be nice if all of life was run like a Chick-fil-A drive-thru? We are just... Like we should just put them in charge of everything because they seem to have it together. And there, there are times like waiting that just draws up this piece of us that's just so impatient. Like things that, that cause you to wait. I mean, simple things. The light turned green, but two cars ahead of you, they're too busy texting. And you're waiting, and you sit through light after light after light. And, and if you're truly a blessed person, then at some point, then you've been on Main Street here in Monk's Corner, and the train came when you needed to get to the other side. And there's really no way around that. And you get frustrated because you're in this, this waiting game. And if you're a student, and you take the test, and you, you prayed and asked God to bail you out of that test, y'all, y'all have had some of those prayers in school? God, if you'll just help me pass this, I will be a missionary. To any country that you would have me go? And you just, you waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting on those results. Or maybe, maybe you're a, a spouse and one of you, don't look at each other on this one, one of you just has a hard time getting out of the house on time. And you feel like you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, oftentimes there are things in life that cause us to wait and it can cause us to be impatient because we live in this culture where we want it we want it now Like everything is rapid file your taxes get your money now right um, when we plan to drive around Monk's Corner we plan about what time we're going to drive and how we're going to drive around so we don't get caught in traffic we're going downtown Charleston we try to avoid you know the, the interstate at all costs around four or five o'clock six o'clock when there's a wreck eight o'clock you know so It's just this piece of waiting in life, and those are everyday scenarios, but what about the moments where you're just waiting on these test results to come back from a sickness? Or you're just praying and asking God to move in your life to heal a relationship, or heal the relationship with Him, and you feel that He's not answered yet, and you find yourself in this waiting, and when is God going to show up? I mean, am I am I resonating with anybody on the waiting? Like we have it, we do it, it happens, it's impatient, and oftentimes in the waiting, we either get frustrated or we start to find creative ways to get out of the waiting rather than simply just sitting and being patient. And so what we're talking about today is along the lines of these topics that when God seems late, right? So we we pray and we ask God for things and God's not coming through and we've got these, let's just say a medical uh, test that's coming back and we've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and prayed and we're just wanting healing and the test results come back and God hasn't answered and they're not what we thought they were going to be and now our loved ones or somebody's faced with an illness or a sickness and it's like we're in the waiting. When are you going to come through and when are you going to help? Because you've prayed about it, you believe that God's going to do something and you know that he can, but he's not done that yet. I mean, I think it's a lot of our lives. We've all been in those situations to where we've asked God and we've prayed and God didn't answer those prayers the way that we prayed them. And then worst case scenario happens in that situation and it's like, God, where were you at? Where are you at? Like you're late. And that's kind of been the series that we're, we're in. We've been looking at these New Testament stories of Sometimes for us as humans, God just doesn't make any sense of why he does what he does the way that he does. But our faith lies in the fact that God's ways are higher than our ways, right? He's wiser than we are. And we don't always see the purpose. And we said last week that God is not absent. He, he knows exactly what's going on. And he's in control of the situation. Whether we see it or not, God's not absent. absent. He is actively in charge actively moving in and out of the situations of our lives and so sometimes what we just think of is when we're, we're thinking about god not making sense and is god absent is is god late is he going to show is he going to is he going to be here this time is he going to answer is he going to hear my cries and i, I want to give you this kind of thought that we're going to process today with god a waiting season is never a wasted season a waiting season is never a wasted season and now for some of us we've been through these seasons of waiting and we feel like they've been wasted and we feel like God could have done all of these things and he didn't but I want want to show you something today in scripture that proves that with with God a waiting season is never wasted it's never wasted and we're gonna look in John's Gospel today at chapter 11 so if you have your scriptures, we'll, you can go and turn them there to John 11. We'll have it up on the screen too. But we're going to look at this really powerful story about these two sisters and their brother. We've got Mary and Martha and this guy named Lazarus. Now, and I want to set the story up this way to help you understand some of the background. They were very, very close with each other. Uh, Jesus would often visit them, in the little town of Bethany it was just about two miles away from the, the city of Jerusalem. And they would come in, and they would dine together, and they would eat together, and they were, they were just friends. And so many times they would invite Jesus to come and stay with them. As a matter of fact, the last week of Jesus' life when he enters into Jerusalem, when he leaves Jerusalem at, during, at night, he comes back to Bethany and he stays with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I mean, there's a true friendship. These aren't just some random Bible characters that popped up in the Scripture. There's a lot of relational investment in this relationship. There are often times when Jesus would visit and they would feed and have these conversations, there's one moment that Jesus' feet are cleaned. And they they wipe the feet and they worship and they study. This is their their teacher. This is their friend. And so they they see both. And so that's the setup of the story of understanding that there was a close relationship. Now, the Bible tells us that something ironic happens in John chapter 11. Lazarus gets very, very sick. Okay, well, when you're friends with the king of the universe, the guy that's been healing people, and your brother gets sick, well, Jesus is going to handle this. He's going to take this sickness away, right? So this is the expectation, this is the confidence that Mary and Martha have when their brother gets sick. So in John chapter 11, starting in verse 1, he says this, a man named Lazarus was sick. There's the problem, okay? They've identified the problem. My brother is sick. And it wasn't just sick like he's got a stuffy nose. It was sick as in he's on his deathbed. We've got to do something. He is sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. All right. Do you notice what repeated itself in this scripture? Lazarus was okay. just want to make sure because what John wants us to know here is that Lazarus was sick. It's a really big issue for them. Mary and Martha was a really, really big issue that their brother was sick. And so the Bible says the two sisters sent a message to Jesus. Jesus wasn't in Bethany, so they sent a message to him. And they said, Lord, your dear friend, your your buddy, your pal, the guy that you you were over at supper a couple of nights ago, he's sick. He is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said this, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. All right? So they, they send a message, and they tell him, listen, your friend. We have some relational connection. You know, we're, we're kind of like insiders. We just want you to know he's sick. In other words, can you come help? Can you come... And jump into this situation and heal him and make this all go away. When you read this passage, the language used here shows this certainty. There was this confidence in the way that they were speaking here in the very beginning in these first four verses. There's this confidence that we have this relationship and we're worried about Lazarus. But we believe that Jesus is going to step in. Because we're going to send the message to the one that we know can heal the situation because we've talked about these things. We've seen what he's done. He's told us stories about what he's done. So we're believing that he's going to come into this place because he is our friend. And there's this expectation and this confidence that he's going to come and he's going to be there. And they're worried about Lazarus, but they're not really 100% worried because they know the answer has been given to the one that can erase all of the problem. So they wait and they wait. And they wait. The next day, Jesus is a no-show. And they're thinking, well, he's going to be here. It's just going to take him a little while to get here. Y'all, y'all been there? When people say, I'm right around the corner. They're on the way to your house. 45 minutes later, you know, they got stopped by a train or probably the one right here on Main Street. And he doesn't, he doesn't show up. And I can see him sit beside the window just looking out like, is he, gonna, is, is he coming today? Like, he's going to be here. He's going to be here. I can just see him walking down the driveway, so it's just a matter of time. And they wait, and, the, and this waiting continues, and the next evening comes. And now they're starting to think, well, I can't believe he's not here. He should have been here by now. Do we send another message? Do we send somebody out to find him? Because he, he, should, be, he should be right here. And the next day, he still doesn't show. Now their confidence begins to shift. Does he even care? Did he not understand that it's our brother and his friend who is very sick and, and if, if something doesn't happen, if he doesn't intervene, then he's gonna die. It's gonna be the end of it for him. And this is, the, this is it. And if that happens, I don't know how we're gonna be able to have this relationship with him anymore because he's supposed to be our friend. So they have faith that he's going to come but the chances by now are that i don't know if he's going to actually show up it's been a while and every moment that surpasses their hope begins to dwindle and go down so when jesus didn't show up they they just begin questioning does he care i mean think about when you've been in these situations don't don't you start to question just a little bit i find it interesting that when our when our faith and confidence starts to to diminish our our faith gets on the shaky ground and we start asking questions like well is god really going to show up is god really who he says he is does he not understand our situation Did, did we not should we told him in the message should we worded it differently should we, should we have said that, hey, he's sick and, and he's dying, he's running a temperature of like 130, like just exaggerating, just to understand that this is vital. Should we have put 911 on the text message when we got it to him? Like, what do we do? Because I don't, I don't understand. So their, their confidence in the first few verses begins to waver. And they were, they were starting to remind God of all the things they've done. We talked about this last week, but we get into the situation when God doesn't show and God's not answering fast enough that we begin reminding God of what we've done for Him. You know what we'll I say? Hey, like, I listen to Christian radio over and over again, and I read my Bible, and I give, and I serve in the church, and I gave $5 to a guy on the street the other day. He went and bought alcohol with it, but I gave him $5. I serve, and I've done all these things, God, so certainly you're going to do this for me. Certainly you're going to come through. Certainly you're going to bring healing. You're going to do this. Mary and Martha are like, certainly you going to do that. You were in our home. You ate our food. We know things about each other that a lot of people don't know. We've had conversations that other people don't know. We're close, right, Jesus? So you're going to come, right? And Jesus doesn't show up on their clock. And I want to give you these two things to remember today. And I think they're going to build your faith. But when you're in the middle of a waiting season, God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. His delays are not necessarily a denial. There are things that you're praying for, and you've asked Him for, and He's not answering. And so you just assume the answer is no. But the answer might be not yet. So just because you're having some type of delay does not mean that God's denying the answer to your prayer. It also doesn't mean that he's not listening. He's very aware. Now, now we call these things a divine delay. That we know what we need in a moment, but remember we talked last week that sometimes our plan, our plans aren't always going to go to what happens because God's more concerned about his purpose than he is our plan. He's also more concerned about our character than he is our comfort. And so he's shaping in this. And so we have these, these delays He's God-orchestrated delays. God God allows these delays to happen. And many delays are divine delays because God has this reason, and the reason is not yet. You're not not ready for this yet. It's the Garth Brooks effect. Y'all didn't know this theology term, did you? You remember the song, Sometimes I Thank God for? Okay, some of y'all are so holy. It's like we never heard that song. Sometimes I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. I look back in high school and think through some of the prayers that I prayed. Thank you, Jesus, for not answering those things. Can you think about some of the things like, God, she broke up with me. Please let her come back. I'm glad he didn't answer that question. Glad. I've seen the rap sheet on some of the people I've been around. Glad. There there are times that there are things that we've asked for, and God delayed it because you weren't ready for it yet. I think on it, of giving, giving my, my three-year-old my car keys and saying, this is your car. Drive the Honda Pilot wherever you want to drive it. As fast as you want. And what's going to happen in the fir- if he figures out how to get the key in and move it? What's going to happen in the parking lot? How many of you feel comfortable with that, that I give the three-year-old the car keys to move my car in the parking lot? Anybody feel comfortable with your car out there? No. Why wouldn't I give him car keys? He's not ready for that yet. There is a divine delay. Because if he gets the car keys, is bumper cars in the parking lot right now? Everybody, my insurance is going to be maxed out repairing everybody's car. And, and there are times that there's sometimes that we ask for things that God's like, you're not you're not ready for that thing yet. You're not ready. There, there's some stuff that needs that needs to happen. And I, I still firmly stand that there's sometimes that God just wants to do stuff in us before he does anything through us because he's not ready for that. And we get that backwards. We want God to use us and do all these things, but we're not posturing ourselves in a position for God to do a work within us. Because let me tell you something, what he does in us, that's what comes out of us. Whatever comes in, comes out. We talked about that with chambers of the heart, right? We have heart issues. So God wants to do something in you. That's why I believe that the more that we spend time with Jesus during the week, that this whole worship environment completely changes. Because when we encounter the presence of God and we come in here to everybody else, we sing a little louder, we have more excitement, not because we're all hyped up, because we've been in the presence of Jesus and we know what his goodness is. Am I right? All right. Y'all acting like you're frozen this morning. Is that right? Because the more you spend with Jesus, the more you realize how good you've got it. Okay, it's okay. You can, be, you can be a little Pentecostal, it's totally fine The Holy Spirit works So there are divine delays The, the, the delays are sometimes not yet Because you're not ready for it, God's trying to do a work in you Before he'll do something through you And just because he hasn't done it Doesn't mean that he's not going to do it But it's in his purpose Not in your plan So Mary and Martha, they're like you got, you got to come Jesus you you got to be here you got to heal, heal our brother He's sick, we know you're coming, we know you're coming and we know that, that a, a waiting season is not a wa- wasted season, and there's this expectation, and time goes by, Jesus had not arrived, and, and they're certain that he's going to, and Lazarus is sick, so we got all this stuff happening. And they're thinking, whoa, you didn't show up. You didn't show up. And Lazarus fights for his last breath, and he dies. That was not the answer to the prayer, was it? Not one time did they say, Our brother's sick, we're praying that God would just take him. Our brother is sick, we need help. And Jesus seemed to be delaying. And he dies. And with that last breath, hope went with it. The questions came Where was, where was Jesus? I mean, we heard stories that he's out healing other people, he's healing the Romans. Who are enemies of us, and we hear all these things that he's done, and he doesn't come to heal his closest friend? What in the world? I mean, where is God? I mean, if he's going to heal anybody, it should have been Lazarus. I mean, I, w- I would think that they realize in this moment, this, this just does not make sense because you don't see anything happening doesn't mean that God isn't working God often does the best work in the background he's always up to something he's always got something happening his plan is always at work he doesn't he doesn't look at that situation and be like oh my goodness we waited too long in this Lazarus situation I thought I had a little bit more time he knew exactly what was happening he knew exactly what he needed to do so a long time later like, not a couple of hours. A long, he's been dead. He's not breathing anymore. And a long time later, Jesus finally shows up. Now, I'm a, I'm, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a risk taker sometimes. But in this situation, these ladies issued a cry for help, and you didn't show up, and he's already dead and in the ground, and then you come I'm not facing those ladies. I can imagine when Jesus came strolling up and Martha saw him. Oh, we're going to talk to him. Oh, we're going to have a conversation. Because you notice the Bible says Mary, Mary stayed put. Martha came to Jesus. Like, Jesus didn't get to the door and knock. She saw him and she went to go have a conversation with him. Because by the time Jesus got there, it was too late. They wrapped the body, they put it in a tomb. It's been there a day and another day and another day and then Jesus finally shows up and it's like this isn't a big deal to him. Not only did, she say, not only didn't you heal him, you, didn't, you weren't even here to comfort us in the times that we needed comforting and it was a pain. Like, you, you weren't here for any of that stuff. And it doesn't make sense. But look what verse 17 says. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days well number one Jesus wasn't surprised at the fact that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days four days so how many days was Lazarus in the ground four days no trick question here you know what happens on day four the body begins to decompose I mean if there was any chance for resurrection it's gone now because his body's decomposing and four days and the Bible says, in, in, the, in the King James, it says he stinks. Like, I love, the, I love the language there. But it says his body's decayed. It smells really awful. Like, he's, he's not, he's not going to do anything here. And now, it's important for you to understand that four has tremendous significance in this passage. Because there was this thought within the Jewish community that in three days... The spirit still hovered over the body there was chance that it could come back to life but on day four no shot it was done that's a weird superstition isn't it Jesus was three days because the spirit really did hover over the body and pick him back out so for four days all hope was lost because even if the superstition was real which we know it wasn't he was gone and when day four hit Any of that little bit of hope was gone. And what they were thinking was, it's it. This is done. The spirit that was hovering over his body is gone. It was close enough that maybe a miracle could have happened. But now it's gone in its own way. And uh, nothing's going to happen. He's completely dead. And at this point, four days in, there's no hope whatsoever. It's over. And they're thinking, you let us down. You failed us. You didn't even show up. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get why you did this. And in verse 20, we read this. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. So she goes out to have this conversation with him and says, Martha's going to give Jesus a peace of mind. In verse 21, she stomped her hand on her hip. You, you know how mamas used to get mad at you with their hands on the hip? And you knew? I need to go the other way. And You remember your parents would tell you, go get a switch. I ain't going to get you a switch. I brought back like a big one one time because I knew the bigger it would be harder to swing. But grandma proved me wrong on that one too. But and this isn't in the Bible, we're reading this part into it, but I just imagine her her anger because she's human. She's human. She said, you just know he's gone. Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. But look at, look what it says in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, and and I think Martha says exactly what our hearts say in these situations. She says this, Lord, if you had only been here, if you had been here if you had acknowledged what was going on, if you had responded to the message, if you had only been here, this mess would have never happened. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But you weren't. She says, my brother would not have died had you been here. Now this is, we read this text that oftentimes it's just a story. Read the emotion that's involved here in this writing. She is torn. Because had God been here, she wouldn't be in the struggle that she is spiritually and emotionally and physically. Because in her mind, God did not do what he said he would do. She said, but even now, I want you to look at the hope, because she had, still a little bit of hope within her. Because she still had that relationship with Jesus. And she says, but even now, even now, in this moment, in this pain, in this hurt, in this disappointment, even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. I know he'll do it and when we read that the next verse it says jesus if you had been here if you'd been here but even but i know even if even if i know i know let me just pause for a second there, there are times when you go through crisis you need to know you need to know you need to know that jesus can do whatever he says he can do and he is who he says he is that's faith Because in these situations, if you don't have that confidence in the faith that he's who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, it's going to be a rough ride. It's going to be a rough ride. Because that's where we find our hope. And so I love the reality of that because, quite honestly, that's where we often live when we say these things of, if you had only been here. God, why didn't you? When you could have, I don't understand. But God, I I still trust you. I still trust you. And sometimes it's hard to understand why you would still trust. Isn't it? Is that that far-fetched? But there's sometimes like, I still trust you. It's not not what we wanted. We just got to call it what it is. Like they're waiting on something and and it's not happening. You're waiting on something and it's not happening. The financial situation tends to get worse month after month. Nothing really changes with that. The relationships in your family that you've been praying for God to heal it just seems like there's nothing moving on that and it's and it's stressful because it just feels like it's so it's such a disconnect between what's going on and you're like I'm praying praying for miracles I'm praying for people that I love I have these expectations and and I believe in God and I trust in God and I worship God and I honor God and I serve God so why why are you doing God what I asked you to do I think about that statement that we make to God why aren't you doing what I've asked you to do I don't want God to answer that question because I think he's going to tell me who I am <laughs> right? it's not going to be the answer that I want but sometimes we think that God's just not meeting our expectations that brings us to the second thought that I want you to, to keep in your mind if God always met your expectations he would never ever have the opportunity to exceed them If He gave you everything you wanted. I can tell you that if God had answered all my prayers and gave me everything I wanted, there would be absolutely zero faith in any, anything in my life. There's, these are growth, growth points. If there had not been divine delays, there would have been, I, I don't know that my faith would be where it is. If God met all my expectations, and it's... It, it, if God always met your expectation, think about it. Would He give you, would you have any opportunity for Him to exceed those things? Because His word says that He wants to do far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Like we see things on an earthly level. God sees things on such a deeper level. I mean, I, I kind of there are oftentimes in my flesh wants what Robbie wants. So oftentimes I think I know what's best. There have been seasons in my life where I've told God I think this is the best way to do this. And the Holy Spirit said, um, let's flip back to the book of Job. <laughs> and let's look at when Job made that comment. And he reminds me that, listen, I can exceed the expectation. I can give you what you want, but I can exceed the expectation. I-, I can do a lot more. And in verses 21, there seemed to be no hope. Well, we'll explain this right here because everything changed in one moment. How many of you know it's just one moment? One moment with the Holy Spirit can change everything. It can change everything. That when he intervened just one moment, and he intervenes here in verse 23, he said, Jesus told her, Your brother will rise again. And now in her mind, she's thinking, How? Now, how many dead people has Jesus raised from the dead at this point? They hadn't seen this yet. And he says, Your brother is going to rise again. Yes, Martha said, He will rise. Now listen to her mind, because she's not there yet. Jesus is saying some things that kind of trigger some thoughts here. She says, yeah, Martha said, he will rise again. When everyone else rises at the last day, when this is all said and done, everybody rises, my brother is going to rise too. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I kind of wonder what happened when Lazarus died the second time. If people were just standing outside, gra- Now nah, we're not going to that funeral, it's, it's a waste of our time, like he's Last time we went, we spent all this money and took all the macaroni and the fried chicken over and the music man's barbecue and, you know, everybody has music man's barbecue at the funeral. And uh, so I learned. And so he he says this, even after dying. Now look at this. It says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Because Martha, Martha expected a healing. But Jesus had planned a resurrection. There are a lot of healings that have happened in the scripture. And God used every one of them to draw men unto himself. And they, that's what they had prayed. They had only prayed about what they had seen. And we've seen God do this before. they would never seen a resurrection. And Jesus' plan and his purpose was not healing, it was resurrection. It was also foreshadowing what was going to happen with him. And they were, they, they were not even seeing that. They would make these connections after his resurrection. And so what they wanted was good, but what he had planned was far better because he was exceeding their expectations, exceeding their desires. And Jesus has got them in this position now where they're they're starting to open their eyes a little bit of getting outside of what their wants were to to hear from God and, and see that what God had planned was better. Because Jesus said, listen, I'm going to raise this one from the dead because I want you to know that I am the resurrection. And I am life. Because they had put that the resurrection was an event. And resurrections are an event. The resurrection is a man named Jesus. There's so much more to the story, isn't it? Because what would have happened if Jesus just would have gone and healed Lazarus? I mean, like, everything would have been fine. But the fact that he let this thing play out as long as he did? And he was battling some cultural norms and some whacked-out beliefs and challenging them. There was a tension in this moment with this conversation between Mary, Martha, and Jesus. And it was this tension of understanding the expectation and that God delayed, but there's a divine blessing within what the delay was. And he, we wanted this expectation, but God far more answered that in a a far better way than we could have ever thought. And it changes the game. And Jesus looks at them and he's standing outside the tomb when he's making these conversations and he says, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. And they're just waiting. Now the hope of Martha, she knew what was about to happen. But all the other people that were gathered around they were thinking this guy is a lunatic because it's been four days because sometimes you've got to battle the things that you've been taught to find out they weren't true and their religion's about to be broken down in just a moment because they're thinking is he's not moving and when you open that door it's going to be bad somebody needs to get the air freshener he's decomposed and Jesus said and he shouts Lazarus you come out now Martha I can imagine her heart starting to beat a little bit in this expectation that her brother's about to walk out of that tomb and everybody else is just looking at each other going it's four days it's not gonna happen y'all wanna go get some more food and go help have seconds and then scripture says the dead man came out and God didn't give them what they had expected he exceeded the expectation now he's felt this full resurrection. His life has been restored because they understood in this moment that a waiting season is not wasted. That what God did between the time that Lazarus was very sick when we read it in verse 1 to the time that we get to verse 44, what God did in that amount of time, he was preparing their hearts for what was to come. trust. Sometimes God will allow you to go through some pretty dark places so that he can use those moments to grow you. Sometimes he will not give you the answer on what you're praying. And let me tell you something. There are times that we pray and God's not answering and we just stop. We do not stop praying. We do not stop praying until God tells us to stop praying. we're We're not people that cast out hope and throw it out and say it's just not going to happen. We serve a God that can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. I believe it because I've seen it and I've experienced it. I can't explain some of the stuff that I've seen besides saying it was Jesus. And there are times that I've watched God work in the lives of people and it was unbelievable. And then there are other times of prayers that were prayed that did not get answered the way that we thought they were going to get but then I watch God work it and do his his master work on the backside of it. The question is, do we get to a place of understanding that sometimes our greatest disappointments might be, it might be an opportunity for the greatest miracle, and the miracle that we're praying for may not be healing. It may not be a, a physical healing of someone. It may be the spiritual healing of us. But God wants to use those seasons. So here's what I would encourage you to do. And I believe that God's a God who works in everything, whether it's good and bad. God works, and he brings all things. He does good for all those who love him and are called according, according to his purposes. When we're in those seasons, we've got to choose to trust God. So there are things that you're praying right now that you feel like all hope is lost. He's not answered. He's not coming through. I would, I would just challenge you to continue praying in those areas and asking God, where, where are you? trust that he is there at work and ask him like, what, what are you trying to teach me here what are you trying to, to mold my life in what, what, what do you want me to learn but if we don't find God in these situations it's hopeless because we begin buying into that God can't do this he's not here so he doesn't care oh he is but we gotta talk we gotta have open communication with him to recognize that he's at work around us We see this happen, you know, it plays out a lot where people feel that God's not at work. It's just God's not doing that. And I look at other countries where churches are exploding. Like in China. The church movement in China where there's strict persecution is exploding. The average age of a church planter in China, anybody want to take a guess? 18 years old. 18. And it's booming. The gospel is booming in the face of persecution. 18-year-old, uneducated, no seminary training, blowing up. Female ministers, ooh, blowing it up, reaching people for the gospel. God's at work. Why isn't he doing that here? Well, he is. We got church planters all over the place. I, mean, I told you, just in our network alone, we've seen 250 churches in the, in the middle of a pandemic come to life that didn't cost millions of dollars to start, that lives are being changed. So God's at work. He's at the work in your situations. You've got to worship your way through it. I had a, a very wise lady tell me one time, I called her and asked her to pray for me and said, I'm, I am struggling. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of an anxiety. i never had an anxiety attack. And I was in the middle of it. I walked down the front porch. I couldn't catch my breath. And I'm trying to talk on the phone. And she said, you need to start worshiping. You need to worship your way through it. Because your, your eyes have looked at everything that you've ever seen and everything you've ever thought. And you're not focused on Jesus in the situation. And I promise you, if you put your eyes and set your eyes on him, everything will be in perspective. And I began just to sing right there where I was. And I began to pray. I began to read my scripture my chest loosened up and I just felt I was in the presence of the Holy Spirit and I got a brand new perspective of what he was trying to do in my life. So sometimes you just got to worship through it. Got to worship through it. Tell him how you feel and ask him to show you where he's at work and join him in that place because God wants to do more than you could ever ask or imagine in your life. He's not late. He may seem late. He's not late. He's on time, His time. Father, we thank you today that sometimes the most traumatic things that we can go through in life, to where it seems that you're absent and it seems that you're not, that you're not there, it can be painful and it can it can make our faith just kind of waver a little bit. And I, I'm just, we just have to be honest in those moments of where we where we feel and. and and what we're going through, but just trust that you are our Father. You want to be with us, your children. God, I just pray for your resurrection power to be over every life that is here. The Holy Spirit that dwells with us gives us that power. And I just pray that you'll do a work within every person that's sitting here today and every person that's watching online. They would just surrender to your will and you would do a work in them that is so great. And Lord, a lot of situations, even in this room, of people going through struggles and they're asking the question, Where are you? Where are you at? Pray that their eyes would be open to see you. We don't have to understand to trust. I just pray that they would trust you and that you are working all things for their good. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you stand and let's sing.